are tuned in to CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. And in studio tonight, we have Brennan and Jody and Dave, and we will hear from Hank and Craig a little later. We're going to talk about some movies that aren't new, new, but they're new to their streaming services. So we finally got the opportunity to watch Birds of Prey, The Emancipation of Harley Quinn, and Shang-Chi. And I got to say that they were both super awesome. So we're going to talk about that. And then at the end of the show, we are going to talk about some awesome comics as well. So you want to stay tuned for that. Dave, let's talk about Birds of Prey first. What are your impressions? Well, we're big fans of the animated series. Yeah. And kind of becoming big Margot Robbie fans as well. She's on a roll right now. And I think maybe this is even a little bit more fun than the animated series, which yeah. is, is, is kind of hard to top, but there are certain live action fight scenes and stuff like in this in this movie, uh, really in both of the movies we're talking about that um, give it a lot of wow factor. And I just, I love, I love that, that Margot Robbie is doing this, you know, she could be, she could be doing a lot more serious projects. She's kind of like, there's a, a lot of, a lot of franchises wanting to hitch their wagon to to this star and she's doing kind of a like a playful part that isn't necessarily one of the big name superheroes looks like she's having a lot of fun doing it and she's really good at it she i'm not even going to attempt the voice but she's she's got the voice down <laughs> that, that is what harley quinn's always going to sound like now that i agree um i love her like when she first took the role on in 2016 I was like okay you know she's pretty good whatever but she's done some amazing roles since then so like I Tonya in 2017 amazing performance there and as Sharon Tate in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like what a chameleon really not a terrific role to play but she did a great job of it and then of course we have Suicide Squad which came out this summer and Birds of Prey which came out last year I love the depth of this because yeah not only is it really fun and funny but like the action sequences are as as good as any john wick movie um as violent as any john wick movie but it's like it's ladies and like it's really empowering and it's awesome to see rosie perez like kicking it and punching it and like giving it to the screen she was great in this too but uh, i'm so impressed with margot Robbie. i really love her and and actually her performance on hot ones was also notable and worth watching if you haven't checked that out such a fun film we uh, laughed a lot watching birds of prey we, did. we laughed so much i i love that it was directed by kathy yan I think its strength comes from its writing. Uh, Paul Dini and Bruce Tim, who basically created uh, Harley Quinn as we know and love her in the animated, uh, worked with Christina Hodson and they did a great job. And Margot Robbie, like, yeah, when she's like crying and upset about her breakup and stuff and she's psychotic and she's laughing and she's got a lot of range. She's great. What did you think, Brennan, of Birds of Prey? Parts of it I really like. Parts of it I wasn't so big on. I actually purchased it so I could watch it again to get my head around uh, wrapped around it. I liked uh, Margot Robbie a lot. I liked the way she does Harley Quinn. Um, at points, I kind of didn't like the fact that the whole movie seemed like an accident to her almost. Kind of like, oh, well, this has happened to me. It, it was like she almost wasn't a, a free agent. Well, you know, and I kind of wish you 
at times we've had a bit more decision making. The one thing that this really that I really had a hard time letting go of, and I I need to, but I just can't, was the whole idea of uh, Cassandra Kane being this pickpocket character, and it was so much different than the original character. Why not call her Sarah Kane, or you know, she could have been a different character that was maybe Cassandra Kane's cousin, sister, something, right? I don't even mind the idea of like recasting some parts and things, and that that was fine. But just to to call her Cassandra Kane and have her not be so much like Cassandra Kane, I really had a difficult time getting over that. I really, really did. Um, I, I felt the same way about that, but I let it go. I was just like, no, I'm just going to go for the ride. Okay. Well, I should watch it again and, and let it go for the ride. I also wasn't the biggest fan of how Black Mask was so goofy and like kind of silly, um, which was kind of the vibe of the whole movie. So I guess in a way it kind of fit. I didn't mind it. I quite liked the, like the parts I liked, I liked a lot, but the parts that I couldn't let go, I couldn't. But uh, I do, I do want to watch it again, just with, you know, a bit of time and distance. And because it seemed like everybody else liked it way more than I did. Yeah. So. Do, you, do you think maybe because they had Ewan McGregor playing Black Mask that now they've got this big name star in there. So they, they felt like they couldn't put the mask on him. Could be. <laughs> and, then, and then he's free to sort of goof it up a little bit. But if, if he'd been just been wearing the mask the whole time, it, it would have been a lot more, maybe a lot more like the comic book. Maybe. And I guess he just seemed more like almost like becoming like a Joker kind of character, like kind of silly. Sure. Goofy. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, but I don't know. It just, it, it just, Everyone seemed like all the bad guys all seemed kind of more goofy than they thought they should be. I'm like, well, someone should at least be somewhat serious or mean about what's going on. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I'll watch it again. I still loved the whole thing, uh, but less Ewan McGregor part and more like Rosie Perez would have been better. <laughs> but, okay, so quickly, I want to talk about Shang-Chi. This was fun. We talked about wuxia. The, like that genre of, of Kung Fu a few weeks back when this was really, really hot. And uh, I hadn't seen it yet. And this holds up. This really does. Like most of the time, American made Kung Fu movies are just not as good. They just aren't. But this one is really, really fun. The storytelling is good. The Kung Fu is good. I could have done with more Kung Fu and a little less like talking but like the what we did get was really really good and sim lu is great but gotta throw it out to aquafina like as the little sidekick she made it happen and most of the time in movies when they have that like jaunty little sidekick with all the weird little quips and quirks it's annoying as hell but she owned it and she made the movie better by her presence yeah when you think about it plot wise her character doesn't really need to be in most of the scenes but she's in almost every scene and makes herself one of the better parts of the movie just her little reactions to things and kind of her presence as as the the pal of our hero enjoyed her a lot would not have been as charismatic a duo without her he he really needed her a lot for sure. Yeah, I think because too, like he, uh, you can't relate to him because he's got all these superpowers and stuff and he's got this like crazy background, but you can relate to Aquafina. You just like a valet gal, you know, you can, you can live through her eyes and yeah, she carried it so well. I really, really enjoyed this romp. It was so much fun and I can't wait to watch it again. What did you think, Brennan? Well, I liked a lot how it was um, tr a tribute to like the two different types of styles of Kung Fu movies, right? So the fights in the bus is very much like um, the Jackie Chan kind of it's live, it's happening. And then you have the crouching tiger, hidden dragon, everyone's flying around and things. 
So I love how they did both those styles so, so well. Um, and I received a text message last night from a friend of mine that apparently um, they actually had Jackie Chan's uh, cinematographer, cinematographer and assistants on his fight team actually choreographed that scene on the bus. And they're actually part of that fight scene, which is probably why it looks so much like a Jackie Chan type type romp but it was really really fun the only part i didn't like and i don't want to i don't want i don't want to this person today um at the very end like let's fight a big monster in the dark i don't know why at the end they have to go like dc goes to the dark all the time at nighttime so i get it big monster the weather changes but it's interesting i find the smaller the fights between people way more entertaining but when you fight like a big huge monster i'm like eh, i don't know why this doesn't seem as exciting to me but um but overall it was super good and i like how they had all the characters inter interact and there were some cool little easter eggs and stuff and yeah it was it was really really good yeah fun romp highly recommend it um this is on disney plus so you can check it out and uh birds of prey is on netflix so it's pretty accessible to everybody check both those out all right, well, let's throw it over to Craig and Hank and see what else they have to recommend or to dissuade us from this week. And uh, hopefully we'll get some good picks out of that. So take it away, fellas. Hey, everybody. It's Craig Siliphant on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And I am here with my good buddy, Hank Cruz. And we're going to talk about a few things we've been doing and seeing and stuff going on in the city this week. So uh, let's uh, let's start with you, Hank. How's it going? What you doing? What you watching? What you knowing? Well, I know I know some things. Uh, some people actually, if uh, you were to ask them, they'd say I know everything. It's not true. I, I know almost everything. Almost everything. I've got uh, about 10 new television programs that I've started that I was going to talk about, but it just so happens that I watched the season finale of The Morning Show, season two. Have you ever watched The Morning Show on the uh, Apple Yeah, TV I watched Plus? the first like two or three episodes of it when it came out, and it's not that I didn't like it or anything, but it just, I sort of fell off it, and it sort of reminded me at the time of The Newsroom the HBO show, yeah. which I was like, yeah. I already watched. Yeah, it does. Uh, if if you take the newsroom and ruin it. So this uh, morning <laughs> show, season two is is the worst. And like, really, it's the worst, but not because of the reasons that you would think that it would be a bad show. It's the worst because it was billed as Apple TV Plus's flagship serious drama series with hard hitting writing that was covering Me Too. And now the season two was cancel culture and all this stuff. If they would have billed it as an out-of-touch, cheesy, celebrity-packed soap opera with weak storytelling, then the internets would have nothing to complain about. If I knew going into it that it was actually supposed to be a cheesy soap opera that's like really bad and really dumb, then I might have actually been entertained. But because they build it as like this, it's their number one show and it's going to be, it, it's no, it is not. It is so, so many things are wrong with this show. Um, a, a good review, the story that, that I saw in Hollywood Reporter said it's a show with one of the best ensembles on TV, but at any given moment, it seems to be wasting half the cast. It's a show with things on its mind about the state of media, but no real ability to focus on any theme or idea. It's a spiffy, well-produced show, and it's absolutely positively never quite boring. But I don't remember the last series with this sort of potential that has so reliably shot itself in the foot by focusing on the wrong characters and approaching stories from the most cumbersome of angles. I agree with that. It is, wow, it is not what they build it to be. So Craig, can you think of a show or even a movie 
that has done the same thing where they've gone and promoted it as being this great action comedy and you go to it finding out that it's actually a really dark drama or something so completely different you're like if you would have told me the truth in the beginning then it'd be fine yeah i i see these like i see that phenomena fairly consistency uh, consistently over time the one that jumps to mind for me uh, that really like didn't ruin it for me necessarily, but I think it ruined the movie's chances for a while was if you remember uh, Zodiac, the David Fincher movie, which is a brilliant movie. But if you remember, uh, you know, David Fincher had been coming up as a director. He had done like uh, Alien 3, which, you know, was sort of, you know, he was a hired gun on that gig and it didn't necessarily go so well. Uh, and then, you know, uh, ended, ended up making uh, Seven. Uh, which was like huge, right? And and uh, oh, yeah. you know, it's this dark serial killer uh, drama. Get in the box. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What's in the box? So when they started promoting Zodiac, it was like from the director of Seven, and and it's obviously about the Zodiac killer. Uh, and so all the marketing was really sort of wrapped around this idea that it was this spiritual sequel to Seven. And then of course when the movie came out, it's a three-hour like you know, 22 year journey of the, you know, investigators and the journalists and, and all this stuff on the Zodiac killer case. And it does have a couple of those cool, like spooky serial killer scenes, but a lot of it is this like drawn out procedural uh, of an investigation that, that takes 20, 30 years, which, you know, I was into it immediately. I loved it when I saw it, but I walked out of the theater thinking like, wow, this is going to, everybody's going to love this movie. It's going to be huge. And everyone hated it. It was such a like, uh, you know, because of the fact that they were all expecting seven part two. Yep. Uh, so yeah, for sure. I mean, I see that phenomena all the time. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is for those of you that haven't watched the morning show, if you're looking for a soap opera with Jennifer Aniston in it and Reese Witherspoon, Hey, great, go watch it. It'll be entertaining. You'll be able to talk about it with your friends and everything. But if you think that it's going to be this crazy drama with all of the hitting all these points about, Oh my God, this is how life is. And no, it is not. It's horrific. Horrific. Let's talk about something fantastic, Craig. All right. Well, why don't we talk about the, 12th annual Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival. It's been going on all week, uh, and there are screenings uh, left over tonight and tomorrow. And, you know, I think the I, you'd have to talk to John Allison, the festival executive director, to know for sure. But my guess is that they pack a lot of the really, like, powerful stuff into the last couple of days because that's, you know, when they get a bigger showing. This has been happening for 12 years now. It started out as a little thing that John Allison was doing. I remember interviewing him, like, on the radio, like, 12 years ago on, in the first year because I was kind of excited about it. Uh, and, you know, they've been doing it every year. They've grown. The Broadway Theater eventually, uh, you know, bought some stake in the festival and took it over uh, and still work with John and his uh, programming team and everything. And so they have like, you know, a group of dedicated programmers that sit down and they watch all the, uh, you know, I, you know, all the movies that year that are going to be big on the, what I, I guess I'd call the genre circuit festival. So, you know, people a lot of times think of this as a horror movie festival. And in fact, when it started, it was called Dark Bridges and maybe leaned a bit more horror, but it's not. It's a, it's what we'd call a genre festival. So that could be anything from like horror movies to science fiction, to weird dramas, to kung fu movies, to uh, exploitation or weird cult cinema. Like, so, you know, what I always say to people every year is like, if you, you know, you don't have to know any of these movies, just pick a movie at random in a time that works for your schedule and go see it. And you may love it, you may not, but like you're guaranteed probably the most unique film going experience you've had all year. And uh, unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of chance to get out to the festival this year, just with work and tiny kids always monopolizing my time. But I have seen a couple of the uh, uh, 
the shows that are that are playing. Uh, Coming Home in the Dark played earlier this week, and and that's a like I think it was from New Zealand, but a pretty freaky uh, hitchhiker drama basically, or hitchhiker thriller I should say, uh, with some twists and turns. And then there's another one that uh, is airing this weekend called The Beta Test. And if you followed Jim Cummings career, uh, he's sort of an actor, director, writer, uh, sort of a funny, weird guy. And so it's just another one of like, of, uh, you know, of his movies. And then, you know, there's other great stuff playing this weekend too. So what I'd suggest everybody do is go to skfilmfest.com where you can see the, uh, the website there and you can, you know, you can, there's a, a schedule and a list of everything and when it's playing and you can watch uh, trailers for most of the movies so that, you know, you can kind of get a sense of like, oh, this one looks cool. And then, uh, you know, go, just go check out a screening. Uh, and there's also like, you know, there's short film blocks that they show before each film and stuff too. So, uh, you know, it's really fun. It's at the Broadway theater. It's done uh, tomorrow actually. And uh, it's, but it's worth going to check something out. So I should quickly mention too, uh, I saw a movie called Spencer uh, playing at the Roxy Theater, and it's the story of, uh, I guess you'd call it a psychological drama, basically. It's directed by Pablo Lorraine, who's a great director, uh, and it's a fictionalized account of Pris- Princess Diana's decision to end her marriage to Prince Charles and leave the British royal family. Uh, Timothy Spall, Sean Harris, Sally Hawkins also star in it, and I, I don't know if I said this, but Kristen Stewart uh, plays uh, Princess Diana. Uh, you know, I sort of went to this movie on a recommendation from another cinephile friend of mine, and it just blew me away. It's like, it's easily my favorite movie of the year so far. Uh, you know, hopefully there are some other good movies coming out this year that might join it uh, in the ranks, but... Uh, I, uh, I double-checked here, and it is playing all weekend at the Roxy still. They're not nice. taking it out. It's going to play all weekend. Yeah, good. So go check it out. It's definitely worth seeing. It's like weirder than you'd think. Like, my wife, I think, didn't like it as much as I did, because I think she was comparing it to The Crown a little bit, but it's it's the story of like, you know, we're always sold this idea of the sadness of Princess Diana and all the things that happened. And of course, that's true. But like here we see her rage and even like I don't want to use the word madness because it's not really that. But it's like, you know, her imagination and, and things sort of taking over her anxiety and and maybe a growing sense of mental unwellness at the situations that she's being put into by the by the family and this just the situation that she's in. So uh, that's all the time we have. But uh, don't watch the morning show season two. Do watch Spencer and do go check out something at the San, at the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival. See you. Yeah. All right. Thank you. OK, so it's comics time now. Uh, we're going to talk about first what's the furthest place from here and we had an interview with uh, Matthew Rosenberg a few weeks ago and uh when the book launched and it, it I really like it it's got a really nice feel to it I love the art style uh the story is really good and compelling and I can't wait for the next issue to come my only disappointment with this book was that it came with a record in the deluxe version. And unfortunately due to supply issues, there just weren't enough of them to go around. And so my order got canceled. So I didn't get my record, Meh. but hopefully they'll do like a second print or something down the road. Or maybe they'll do a full album of like all the songs when the whole run is done. But anyway, really fun. What's, what's your take on it? Uh, same. I really, really enjoyed this book. Um, I hadn't even really had heard of it until I was talking to a customer and they said, oh, there's this new comic coming out and each comic comes with a record. I was like, wait, what? How? 
when did this happen and how come I don't read previews enough to keep track of what's going on? Uh, same thing, I really love the, the artwork and the style of it. Um, it has kind of like a, a kind of a bit of a powers look. The first part of the story, we follow this, this group of people called the Academy. And right off the bat, we're not exactly sure what's going on, but when they're in their record store type place they live in, all the colors are like red and black with a little bit of purple. So like really stylized, it really gives you a sense of where they are. And apparently once you grow old, you have to leave. We don't know why it's post-apocalyptic. We have these different territories and families. So I kind of like we, he kind of, we get a bunch of things thrown at us. And then at the end, we have to kind of figure out what's happening next. I really enjoyed the storytelling and moves along at a good pace. The art is great. Um, they give us just enough to, to keep us interested for another issue. So it was really good. And I like the fact that it was like this sort of post-apocalyptic story that didn't have zombies in it. Because, you know, we have a lot of zombies right now, so it was a nice change of pace. Um, and I, once I found out there was a record for it, I'm hoping for the other ones, it'd be nice to get records for as well. So I'll put myself down for that as well. But it'd be, it'd be neat to hear what tunes they put with which story. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about it. And yeah, that was one of my favorite things of the scenes in the record store where you can see like records littered around the store and like you can tell what they are if you know what they are because like they're little, right? So it's just kind of like a little Easter egg hunt and it's fun to have that stuff. And I also really like that like each person who lives in the store like is supposed to pick an album as their avatar. You know, that's the album that's going to kind of represent them. So it's a really important choice that they make. And I like that idea a lot. Yeah, and the one character picks a record. It's like this double page spread of this record. I won't spoil which one it is. And the person who looks at it says, really? like do you know what this album is? And this other person, uh, Sid, is like, well, not really, but it'll look cool. You know what I mean? So he's like, you should be more careful with your choice because it's a really big deal. So yeah, yeah it's funny. When you see which album it was, it kind of, it's, it's funny, so. Um, I thought it was really interesting that um, while he was working on that book, uh, Matthew Rosenberg was also working on uh, DC versus Vampires which uh, number one is out and number two actually came out on Wednesday. So it, and it's, it, you know, it's not a book that I would normally pick up, but I did read it. Dave, you read number one and it was like, it was okay. I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to get a feel in just one issue because those weeklies are pretty short. You get yeah. through them pretty fast, but it managed not to be completely ridiculous. No. And there were a few cool plot twists and, and enough to make you want to keep going. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's continue talking about DC. Uh, number five of Superman's Son of Kal-El came out last week. And this has uh, been getting some buzz because this is, it's not Superman. It's the son of Superman. Um, he's his own guy with his own personality and his own likes. And he comes out in this issue as bi. And so there has been some controversy from hardcore fans who are like, this is not what Superman would be. And it's like, well, it's not Superman though. It's like, it's a different character. So just like get over yourself already. What was your take on the actual read itself, Brennan? It was really good. Now I've been buying it, but this is the first one I've actually got around to reading. Um, I've been buying whatever Superman issues has been coming out since John Byrne started back in the 80s. So uh, Taylor does a really good job of writing the beginning of like a classic Superman story. So uh, so Superman has been hit with this some kind of ray, I guess, at the big first panel. And now his, his powers are super heightened. 
And he does like the traditional, he can now hear all around the world. He knows what's going on. So he flies around the world trying to save everybody just like Clark Kent would have done. So it's a nice homage to that. Uh, the only difference is he's starting to burn out and he starts to make mistakes because he has no more energy. So he gets called um, on to his friend's place. Jay, I don't know Jay, I don't know the context because I don't know the issue. Uh, and they chat and they have a nice connection and they, they share a kiss, which I guess is the big unveiling. So it's not even like he has a big speech saying, oh, I, I'm not sure of my sexuality or anything like that. They just have this like this flirtatious relationship. He kisses on the couch and then he has to leave because there's more things to do. So it was a nice heartfelt story. Um, and it felt a lot like a good classic kind of Superman story. So, um, and the art is great. Um, it has that kind of digital sheen to it, but it was super nice. Um, I don't know, for the, considering it's the first one I've read out of five issues, I really enjoyed it. So I'm actually excited to go back and read the first four issues. Sounds good. Primordial, Jeff Lemire's new book. We talked about the first issue a couple of weeks ago when it first came out and it was about like animals shot into space and we thought they were dead, but they're not dead. And number two has come out and it is on my to-do list. I haven't actually picked it up. Hopefully I will read it sooner than uh, it took me to get around to see uh, Birds of Prey. But uh, you read it. What did you think? Uh, it's good. The cliffhanger at the end of one, I guess, spoiler alert, if you haven't already read it, we have Latka, the dog, who meets the space monkey. Um, and the space monkey's like, hey, how's it going? That's not the actual dialogue, but something like that. Um, and I was so excited because I was like, oh my goodness, we're going to have these animals in space talking. But you know, when you watch a TV show and they do a cliffhanger, and then the next episode doesn't do that, that's kind of what happens here. So instead, we get Latka's backstory. So um, she's having all these memories of growing up as a, as a puppy and what happened to her and now how she became in space, which is cool. I just wanted more of the animals talking to each other. And in the back half is our detective character and he meets the caregiver um, of, of Latka and now she's gonna tell him things. Um, but she knows that, that Latka is still alive um, and she'll, anyway, there's a bit of that at the end. Still a good story, I super enjoyed it. I just wanted more of the animals talking in space. That's what I was really hoping for. And we got like a little bit of it, but not too much. But I'm hoping by issue three, we'll have all the animals talking in all the spaces, so. But it was good. Like it was a good continuation of the story. Okay, awesome. Well, that pretty much wraps up our time for another episode of Punch Radio. Uh, it's Black Friday. Ah, craziness. Yeah, everybody's buying stuff. I would say maybe if you're going to go out and buy stuff, buy a comic, go home, read, stay out of the hubbub. It's much better that way. Yeah, for good. sure. All right. Well, until next week, keep your dukes up and uh, we will chat in you at you in seven days time. Keep on talking, mama, talking your blizz away. Keep on drugging, mama, drugging till the break of day. You wake up in the morning, I was wake up late. You go down to the corner, try to get yourself dead. Can't stop doing what he do to me. Just wanna run the wild. If you can't stop doing what he do to me, my money, just what I say. If you can't stop doing what he do to me, just wanna run me out. You great big legs, pretty little feet, talking about you, sweet, sweet. Can't stop doing what he do to me, just wanna run the wild. Stop doing what he do to me, mama. I just wanna run the wild. If you can't stop doing what he do to me, I mean just what I say. You got great big legs, pretty little feet. I'm 
stop and talk in your sweet, sweet. Can't stop doing what you do to me, my mind. You just wanna run the wild. Mm -hmm. Trying to get accepted. Can 